The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Brains, a podcast exploring the inner workings of our brains and how film and television portray them. Hosted by me, writer-director Heather Taylor. And by me, film and television editor Sarah Taylor. Before we begin, we want to acknowledge that the lands from which we recorded this podcast are part of territories that have long served as a gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, and we are thankful, as guests on this land, to be able to live, work, and gather here. On today's episode, we'll be talking about misogyny with Guylaine Marois, who is one of the directors of Backlash, Misogyny in the Digital Age. This tour de force documentary throws us into the vortex of online misogyny. This bleak opus reminiscent of a psychological thriller follows four women, former president of the Italian parliament, Laura Boldrini, former Democratic representative, Kia Morris, French actor and YouTuber, Marianne Sukin, and Donna Zuckerberg, a specialist in online violence against women, and the sister of Facebook founder, Mark Zuckerberg. This film reveals the devastating effects unbridled female hatred has on victims and brings to light the singular objective of cyber misogyny, to silence women who shine. Quick reminder to our listeners that this interview should not be taken as medical advice, and it is for informational purposes only. Because everyone's brain is different, please consult your healthcare professional if you have any questions. We'll be talking about cyberbullying and misogyny during this interview. And now, Gilin. Gilin, thank you so much for joining us today on Brains. I'm pleased to have you in person as we're sitting at the Calgary International Film Festival podcast studio. So thank you, Sif, for having us in this wonderful place. And thank you for inviting me. Yes, I'm so excited to dig into your film, Backlash, Misogyny in the Digital Age. It was a, it was a tough one to watch, an important one to watch. Before we dive into some of the specifics on your film, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into filmmaking, and then maybe how this film became the film that we have today. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was a, well, I am a musician first. So, but as you may know, because you're an editor, there's an intimate relationship between filmmaking and music, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, also I was very, I am very curious. So I started doing journalism in music. I, my studies are a little bit everywhere. And uh, so I studied law, I studied oh, wow. also f cinema, and also musicology. So I had started a master's in musicology, and then I started writing in a newspaper. And so, you know, telling stories, and I was really fond of um, writing articles. And I proposed I went to a TV station, the equivalent of Much Music, oh, yeah. <laughs> Music Plus in Quebec. And I proposed a series of documentaries on music. So that's how oh, cool. I got into documentary filmmaking for television. Yeah. So I did several of them. So it was an incredible school to learn to tell stories film archival footage because I was in the history of pop music mm -hmm. and um, I met an editor Eric Ruel and uh, we founded our own company we oh, want cool. yeah and so we wanted to 
because we had done a lot of formatted television. Yeah. Eric had an incredible experience. He worked for the NFB and as an editor. He was very young, but he was working constantly with a lot of directors. And we founded our company, made our first film, and we had immediately attention. So that's how 20 years ago, we started our, our own company. Amazing. What's your company called? La Ruelle. Awesome. Yeah. So when it came to this film, how did you decide that misogyny was going to be your topic of, dis of discussion? We approached our documentary filmmaking. Uh, we, we always do something different. It's, you know, we've kind of fallen in love or we are compelled by something mm -hmm. uh, and we tell the story of this issue. So a young feminist approached me, Léa Clermont-Dion, and uh, she had written a book and had received a lot of hatred mm. on the social media platform. And it was the time also that in the United States, there had been the Gamergate. I don't know if you're aware of the Gamergate mm -hmm. or what yeah. it is, but just to remind people, females in the gaming industry started being attacked, mm -hmm. especially Anita Sarkeesian, mm -hmm. because she had been denouncing tropes, you know, sexist tropes mm -hmm. in video games. So a lot of uh, gamers started attacking her, uh, sending her rape mm -hmm. threats, um, death threats. And uh, there was something really scary happening. So, you know, this started a phenomenon. And also in Canada, we had had Rithia Parsons, a young girl, and Amanda Todd, mm -hmm. two young women who had been harassed online and had committed suicide. Yeah. So that was 2015. So Leah and I, you know, I was working on other projects as well. And, uh, but we started doing research for about three years before we wrote a script and you know how financing works. <laughs> you have to, you know, flesh out a lot of the research and, you know, we uh, do the script and we interviewed many victims mm. and also experts. And then we realized that the thing had to be one thing, this choral film following four women mm -hmm. from different, uh, you know, backgrounds, countries also, mm -hmm. uh, who had been attacked. How did you decide which four women you were going to cover in your film? Very good question. Well, we wanted a diverse casting. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to show that this problem was not only a problem of young women being on the social media. Mm -hmm. It was mostly, as we discovered, mostly women who speak loud, who are progressive, uh, women uh, feminists, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, that receive this type of threats and a lot of politicians. Mm -hmm. So we decided to follow Laura Boldrini, an Italian politician who is the most harassed person in Italy. She receives uh, every week, and, and and she's been there for a long time. She's still continuing her career. I don't know how. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. Wow, a lot of courage. So her in Italy, a woman in her fifties. We have uh, Marion Seclin, a young French YouTuber who received forty thousand death and rape threats oh my God. over one video she had published, and. Um, Laurence Graton in, in Quebec, a young teacher, and also Kaya Morris, a black woman, a Democrat in Vermont. So we wanted to show the diversity, and um, but what they have in common, they are all living this horror movie mm -hmm. in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found when I watched the film, there was many moments when I felt very uneasy, 
mm-hmm. a little scared, which great job <laughs> for, for you and your team. And there was a moment, I think it was the Italian politician saying how she was talking about not being allowed in the space. I'm not safe in the space to be who I am. And it made me reflect on moments in my life where I'm like, oh, that's what I was feeling. Yeah. I'm not safe here because even though you're not saying it, my presence as a female human who has a voice is not safe for your view of what I should be. After watching the film, I like had to really reflect, oh, maybe that's what I'm feeling. Like I'm dealing with misogyny. I live in Alberta where there's a lot. (laughs) So I was curious, were there moments when you were going through this process and you're going to tell this story and you knew it was going to be out in the world that you were a little nervous? Like, did it scare you what was going to be put out there and how you might get? In the beginning. And you know, like, just like you, I realized doing the film that I had been also a victim of these attacks. I had made a film about a nuclear power plant that had, had has been shut down after the release of our films. So we received lots of attacks, obviously. Yeah. And at one point I received dead animals in my messenger <gasps> account and really, you know, pictures yeah. of, uh, you know, cows. Uh, you know what happened? I, I, I never, I didn't think that it was about 2013, 14, mm-hmm. but I didn't think, oh, I'm being a victim of cyber violence. But what, what did I do? I stopped publishing mm-hmm. content mm-hmm. on the nuclear issue because, yeah. uh, you know, so that's what happens. Yeah. So uh, it has real impacts. But when the institutions announced they had greenlit this project Mm -hmm. in 2016, 17, we received threats. And we were receiving anonymous phone calls for about two weeks when we were researching. So we were maybe a little bit afraid then. Mm -hmm. But I have to admit that following these women has taken away my, Mm. my fear because I think we we have to not be afraid. Yeah. The goal of these people who do that is to silence us. Yeah. That's the goal. And, you know, and it's very easy when mm-hmm. someone, uh, you know, when you're fearful, you you shut up and you stop acting. And the, all this courage I saw in these women. And, and, you know, some people are telling us when we're doing interviews, we, we have been doing many interviews in Quebec. So people tell us, oh, are you afraid? Because we, we go and present it to the audiences, you know, everywhere. I've, I've been doing many, many presentations. No, I'm not afraid. I refuse mm. to be afraid. Good. Wow. Yeah. So during this process, has your, has your understanding of misogyny changed during all of this? Well, it changed t- tremendously. I, I think I was not aware mm-hmm. of the uh, scale of it. And um, I kind of thought that life uh, or, you know, things had changed and women were, you know, almost maybe not equal, but that we had gained many of our battles. And uh, doing this research, I was very amazed to realize that whenever in history women have fought for rights, Mm -hmm. You know, going back to antiquity. Is that a word in English? Antiquity? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Going back to ancient uh, Rome, women were fighting to be able to, uh, what we say in French is conduire des chars romains. You know, they had Roman cars Mm. with uh, horses. Okay. Yeah. So they, they wanted to have the right to 
drive or <laughs> yeah. be on these uh, cars and the right to dress the way they wanted. And, you know, today mm -hmm. at the exact moment we're speaking, some women are fighting for these exact exactly. same rights. Yeah. Yeah. And every time women have fought, they have had a backlash that pushed them back even further than they were in the first place. That's kind of amazing. I, I read a book, Francis Dupuy-Derry wrote a book on this you know, topic where he reviews the history and that every time women fight for their rights. So that's why actually the, the title of the film backlash. is Backlash because yeah. I'm not saying that it will happen. Actually, we have to fight for it not to happen. Yeah. But what we're experiencing with uh, cyber violence, you know, we interviewed also Donna Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg's sister. And what she says is that Uh, she has written a book also on the topic. And she says that the social media platforms have brought misogyny to a scale of violence that is unequaled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Well, what do you think about the drive of online harassment? Like, because there's a distance, because it's on a screen, do you think yep. it's just more easy to do? Or uh, of Absolutely. You know, it's become, uh, it's, it's kind of a tool to to harm to silence but it's it's cheap mm. it's easy to use and there are no consequences yes. you know you're not being punished people don't see you so yeah you can go about your day and nobody yeah. would know the wiser yeah it's mm -hmm. awful how do you think misogyny impacts our mental health i think it's it's hard to describe in a few words but it's huge mm -hmm. what it can do you know but you know there's a big democratic issue here if women don't feel capable if women become silenced mm -hmm. and go away from the the places of power well it's awful and um, I taught at uh, a university last year and some young women you know because I was talking about this project mm -hmm. and one girl she told me well you know of course Now it's integrated in their minds oh. that if you have a public role, that's what's going to happen. And this uh, young woman told me, well, I wanted to become a politician, but I'm not going to do this because I, I, I'm not willing to yeah. suffer the, this situation. So what can we do? What do you think we need to do to change? I know like you've done all this research. You've been with these women who've experienced mm -hmm. intense hate and harassment. Do you see a way out? Well, yes. I, I, well, I have to. You know, we, I think we have <laughs> yeah, to be I'm like, tell optimistic. me, tell me. <laughs> okay. So many things. Education first. Yes. Okay. So we have to educate young women and young boys. There are two things happening. Some of these aggressors, uh, perpetrators, mm -hmm. or, you know, they, they follow an ideology. You know, mm -hmm. the, the specific case of men, just like in the film, we have one such man, uh, Max Misch. Uh, who is proud to to be racist and misogynistic, you know, he's, and uh, because there's an ideology behind it that he believes. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the young men, or in, not that young men, uh, they they don't realize what they're doing. They yeah. don't they, they don't measure the impact. Mm. So education is very important. So we we developed. Uh, along with the film, a platform, and with uh, also psychologists, oh, great. Uh, educational tools to go in 
public schools, oh, uh, well, wow. in schools in Quebec. We want to it to, to be translated in English, yes. you know, for Canada to um, now we're lacking the funds to do it. Yeah. But in Quebec, it's it's ready to to go in every school. We have videos also specific videos because the film is maybe a bit a little too intense for young yeah too <laughs> young intense children, yeah. for young children but we also have um, videos specifically for the young audience so education mm -hmm. but also we wrote a petition Leah and I and we're asking our politicians to the other problem is that the police officers and the lawyers and all the uh, the people in court It's okay, not yeah, that yeah. the laws are there to punish the aggressors, but people euphemize what mm -hmm. cyber violence mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. uh, they, you know, they say, "Oh, it's you know, it just it's virtual." Yeah. you know, it's, it's not going to hurt you. It's fine. It, yeah, yeah, it's just like just the, get off of your Facebook or your phone if you don't want these things to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, so we want the police officers to have a few hours to be schooled. Oh yeah, 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 like yeah. To like training or, a training, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, thank you. No <laughs> to receive a training, so we're asking that, and also we're asking our our country actually to write a law like the German law. There's a German law. It's easy to know that the the German people, whenever there's fascism rising mm, yeah. or uh, like heinous ideas being, so they're very. Um, sensitive to this. So they wrote a law obligating the uh, social media platforms to pay 50 million euros if they don't remove heinous content oh, within 12 okay. or 24 hours. Yeah. Because, you know, the technology is there, uh, uh, but the will is not there yeah. because it pays. Mm -hmm. This These heinous posts mm -hmm. pay their published and they They're shared and yeah. They're shared. Yes. Yeah. yeah people. Mm. <sighs> yeah. So, and, uh, and these platforms are above the law. They shouldn't be. No, they know. shouldn't be. They shouldn't no. be. And it's like this, it's been this gray area, but for too long, right? Yes. For way too long. Because yeah. there's been so, like you mentioned a few stories off the top of young women who ended up dying by suicide yeah. because of what had happened. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I'm not going to give away stuff in your film, but it is life and death. Yes. What is happening? Yep. And let, again, like what we were seeing in Iran right now, it's it's so present everywhere. And I think that was interesting when I was watching your film. I was like, for some reason, I'm like, oh, this is just an American thing, the digital part of it. I, and I'm like, well, of course it's happening in France and like around the world. Of course it is. But I just was thinking, oh, it's just like this small group. In. But to, to see it on this large scale, it was really... Well, it was eye-opening, even for me. Do you think that this misogyny-driven harassment, is it getting stronger or worse? Or is it just, it's just the same as it's always been, but we have a new platform for it? Well, you know, I, I think it's always been there, but it's being magnified. Mm. I think it's worsening. And I spoke to many people in the U.S., uh, the counter-terrorism mm -hmm. also people, because, you know, we were looking for when we were, trying to find our story and one man told me that they during the pandemic it grew tremendously because what people spent yeah. a lot of time alone mm -hmm. a lot of people being radicalized behind their screens yeah. uh, in many ways and you pro you probably know about the incels yeah we had a, such a terrorist attack here so mm -hmm. this started with misogyny on online misogyny yeah You didn't have that before, you know, men going out and trying to kill as many women no. as they can. 
we have had in Quebec a very traumatic experience like that. It's Polytechnic, Mark mm -hmm. Lepin, um, who killed um, women in uh, Polytechnic engin uh, engineering school. Yeah. But this man has become a hero for all of these people, uh. even the Christchurch uh, Yeah. Event. Wow. So, you know, they know his name. And these people, it, it's an ideology. And before the internet and before the social media, these people could not talk together and grow like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So now the, the virus is growing. Mm -hmm. mm. 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 <laughs> I found it was interesting, and, and you showed it in the film. The technique that is often used is that they start small and then they just pile and pile and pile and pile and pile. Why is that happening? And is that how you, you saw it throw? Yeah, why? <laughs> If you know. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. You know, why, uh, for instance, I think like the case of Marion Seclin in France. She's this beautiful young YouTuber, but she's a feminist. I say, but she's a <laughs> feminist. You know, young women who do make makeup tutorials, they don't have... <laughs> they're not getting the... <laughs> no, they're not the getting the right. <laughs> But, uh, so Marion uh, is a feminist and she published video about street harassment. Because, mm, you know... Yeah, uh, like walking down the street kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like she touched something... Very profound in the French culture. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And, you know, this machoism. Yeah. And it's something incredible happened. You know, it, it's amazing. She, she became this target. And I guess it was shared because I, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain yeah. why, um, like, hatred grows, grows like that. Mm-hmm. In the case of Kaya Morris, that's, it's very disturbing because, you know, that was an incredible revelation for me to go in Vermont. Like for me, a, a Quebecer, like living across so the close, border, yeah. <laughs> Vermont was very progressive, um, used to be the place where, you know, the, the people who, who didn't want to go to the Vietnam War, mm, used to go yeah. to a hippie place, you know? Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, they even, yeah you even mentioned yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And uh, now, it's well, it's changed a lot. Yeah. I guess poverty has something to do with that. But this man who, who started harassing her, one man, Max Misch, uh, we can say his name because he's proud of, yeah. <laughs> of doing all these things. So... He moved. He was originally from New York. He moved to Vermont because it is the whitest state in the United States. Wow. The place where there is almost no black people. So wow. that's why you move there. And what happens? Like the, the, the day he moves, he, he sees a poster of his new MP, but yeah. his state new, representative. Yeah, state yeah. representative. <laughs> and it's a black woman. The problem is, because of the social media, he found followers, mm -hmm. like-minded people, mm -hmm. and started harassing with this group, this woman. Yeah. During your filming, how long were you following these women? What, what was the time frame? Well, it's about two years. Two years. So during the two years, did you see the psychological effects of what was happening? Oh, like, yes. What was that? How did, how did it well, come out? Well, different, because Marion... You know, she had one big attack. Mm -hmm. She went away from the social media. Mm. She just left. And two years later, she decided, you know, they're not going to yeah. silence me. And she 
Now she's more behind the camera, but she still continues. She still has her YouTube channel. Mm. And that was her trajectory in the two years. Kaya Morris, if, if you see the film, you, you, you're going to see the trajectory. And at first, she was receiving these threats. Uh, she was um, disturbed. But what we saw was the impact on her family, mm -hmm. her husband. Mm -hmm. we, we don't tell everything in, in the film because it would be too long, but he had a heart attack, mm. health problems. He was born in this house, you know, in Bennington, Vermont, and they had to go away mm. because they didn't feel safe in their own home and their own town. Also, it's, it's not just these radical racist people in the United States, is that They started lying about her. They started saying she was fraudulent, mm -hmm. that she was a liar. Blah, blah. And, and some people started believing yeah. what they were. So all the community went against yeah. her. Yeah. You know? That happened in my home province with Rachel Nelly, which yes. you mentioned in the film. Yes. Um, so yes, yes, I'm familiar with that. During your process of creating the film too, did you have any parameters in place to protect your own mental health and the mental health of... The subjects yep. by talking about these traumatizing things. Yep. One of the women we were following, we decided not to put her on the final mm. cut yeah. because she, she was probably the, the most dramatic case. People would have shed tears, that's for mm. sure. But for her own protection and because we knew she was fragile and very young, mm. we decided that for ethical reasons... Mm -hmm. Now, I couldn't live with the fact that she would be forever this victim in yeah. this film. Yeah. And, and she was trying hard to reconstruct herself. I, I, we felt she didn't have the tools at that time to go through the process, yeah. even though she, she was fully willing. Yeah. And for the crew, I have to admit, the editor, <laughs> it was the biggest challenge mm -hmm. to edit this film, probably hardest than everything yes. else well as i was watching as an editor i was thinking about choosing which words you're going to put on the screen yep. choosing which clips you're going to play of yep. the hateful things people are saying yeah so i know for myself i just did a feature doc that's screening here at sif as well about mental health in canada and i had to look through footage of prison violence and it's hard it's hard to ingest that hate even though you know you're you're helping spread the right story But it is, yeah, you have to be really precious with yourself. And, and you have also to know that what we're showing on the screen, like all this, these heinous messages and what is showable, mm -hmm. you know. So the editors and the people who were trying to find the archival footage also, all this mm -hmm. on YouTube, on all these platforms, on the dark web also. It was traumatic. And I think editing and being constant during the pandemic, Being in this hatred and just focused on that was very hard yeah. on the team. Mm. Yeah. Oh, how are you all doing now? Very well, oh, because <laughs> the because people are like getting it. Yes. And we could have launched a film and have no. Well, maybe a little bit of people pay attention, but now in Quebec, people are paying attention and people. And that was our challenge, you know. And when I was trying to convince broadcasters to go in the, you know, this adventure, they were all saying, well, you're going to have women talking about their cyber violence and what's happening on the screen. What is this film going to be? 
very boring. So we said, well, the challenge was to follow these women mm -hmm. in their lives, yeah. to show the impact mm -hmm. in real life mm -hmm. and for people to realize that, no, it, it's not virtual, it's real. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably why it was so impactful for me to watch because I was like, there's one scene where one of the ladies just walking down the street and like I've used, I've cut footage like that all the time. Somebody walking down the street, but because I had all this information about what was happening in her phone and on her Facebook account, it was terrifying. It's, so, yeah, you did a good job. Thank you so <laughs> you much. Really Coming from an editor, it's, it's a great compliment. Stylistically, I, I really admired, you did a lot of like very static, solid shots. We're in such a chaotic world and I love that you chose to have these like still beautiful. Anyway, it was very good. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Bringing it to film, are there any other films that you think are out there? Your film does a great job of, of, of showing what misogyny can do and is doing, but is, have you seen anything else or, or thought of anything else maybe while you were looking to do this film that stood out to you about trying to tackle this topic as well? Well, on cyber violence, there had been, I don't remember, I'm very sorry, I don't remember the title of the film, but there's a woman who had done maybe three, four years ago she was more on the, you know, shared intimate um, content, you know, uh, and she was following also a lawyer and it was good. It was the beginning of, of it. And you know what I, I think is good is that there are many women filmmakers now and also stories about women in power mm -hmm. that I think are very pertinent Yeah, and that, uh, yes. I think there's going to be more and more of these stories coming out, I yes. think, is what the trend will be, which is important and I think good. Is there a place where people can go to maybe find this educational uh, information that you've created or help like get it translated to English so we can That's spread it around good. the world? Okay. <laughs> yes. So it's stopcyberviolence.ca. If you Google backlash uh, the film, uh, you're going anyways, all these platforms uh, join together. And yes, we need help yeah. to translate it in English and, and bring it to the schools yeah. in Canada. Oh, I feel like that could be a special little side mission for myself. Get it into my child, because I have a young, I have a six-year-old. Like, yes, like a boy or a girl? A girl. Oh. But I don't want this to happen to her, and I don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... And then even, I think there was a scene... I want to give too much of the film away because I feel everybody needs to go watch the film, but where they're talking to elementary school students about what cyberbullying is, and yes. I was like this is a conversation I need to start thinking about mm -hmm. and how, how can we make sure she understands? Ugh, it's a hard, it's a hard world out there. Are there any last things that you'd like to say or share about your journey in this film, about misogyny in the world? We have a lot of men that are, that are allies, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I think we all benefit from a world where men and women are equal and it's fragile and uh, the, there are dark forces now we are seeing the rise of these ideologies everywhere in the western world yeah in europe it's very striking mm -hmm. so we have to do something and i i think we can and i still believe in democracy so mm. so we we have to push our the elected people to do something and we can find the solutions yeah so go out there and vote. Yes. Find the politicians that you 
and sign our petition, please. Yes, okay. And I yeah. think we just had it translated, and we we will show the film in Ottawa on October 11, 12, and we want to go to to the Hill and oh, show it to great. politicians and to try and wow. to, to have some change. And is the petition on the Stop Cyber Violence? Yes, it is. Okay. So yeah, go sign the petition. Yes. Make sure you vote. Uh, watch the film. <laughs> uh, follow along to see what else uh, Nilan decides to create in the future. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. First off, what a joy to interview somebody in person. <laughs> It's like the first time I've been <laughs> able to sit in a studio. So thank you, Calgary International Film Festival, for inviting brains to uh, participate in the festival and, and get to meet amazing filmmakers. So number one, that was great. But this film, whew, it it uh, really gave me lots of feelings <laughs> when I was watching it. I wasn't at Calgary International Film Festival, so I wasn't able to watch the film, but I was watching clips. And I just think it will be such an impactful film for people to watch. You know, the thing that kind of was interesting, and I was like, of course it's happening everywhere. But when I was watching, I was like, wow, it's really bad in other places too. Mm -hmm. Not just in America, not just in Canada. But it's interesting because... I think a lot of people think of it as like, oh, it's happening in other countries and not where we are. That it's not caused by misogyny. It's caused by, oh, someone is having a mental breakdown or someone mm -hmm. or they, you know, relate it to things that are racist or, you know, other things and not really putting it into the category of misogyny. 100%. Yeah, totally. Even though that's what we're seeing, like an entire, <laughs> there's still a former presidential candidate who is a woman who is continuing to be harassed about some government emails. And we're like, and she's still being harassed about that one moment that they've already like investigated. <laughs> you can't say it's not misogyny. It's not related. To, you can't say that. It's not related to that. Especially when you see what male presidents have done and said and been charged for, you know, like, it's just comparably, it's ridiculous. Like, absolutely ridiculous. I think what's great is it's accompanied by elements of education. I think that, again, education has to happen for everyone, no matter what side of the conversation you are. I think it's important to have this education for everyone. As a part of growing up in a digital age, we have to be looking at this because of the impact it has. But yes, it goes way beyond the digital. It's just that thing of exactly what Yilin said of it being a place that amplifies, allows people to gather, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So we just need to have this as part of our education. And it shouldn't be something that individual parents have to seek out, but that we should all be educated on this. Put it as part of your work training. Put it as part of your education at all levels of education. Like this should just be a continual thing we discuss and try to root out, you know, why this is happening and continue happening, why this feeling is continuing to grow and to lead to violence. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If anybody who's listening wants to learn more about the educational package that they had created for the with the film, um, it's currently only in French, so they're hoping to translate it, which I would love for them to do. So please go check out stopcyberviolence.ca and help out if you can, because such important, important stuff. And like things that I'm already thinking about how I can talk to Charlotte about when she yeah. um, starts to know how to write and read. And we have to remember that though this this topic is about misogyny, cyber violence It's not only people identify as women being cyberbullied, people, all sorts of people are being cyberbullied. So I think this is an important topic that does expand beyond misogyny, but 
it just feel it's really interconnected with misogyny. I think saying, you know, education within police forces and within places of enforcement, there needs to be this education that it's not just, again, continual education, that it's not just a message on a message board, that it's much more, it can be much more than that. It can mean the start of something very violent. Mm-hmm. And I think um, this is just the, the, you know, this conversation that we've had is just the tip of all of the things that can happen. And I think it's important for us to continue to figure out how do we how do we stop this? How do we, how do we like get the right people in power that understand these topics? How do we push back against the social platforms that are perpetuating this or allowing this to be perpetuated? I think there's a lot of conversations that need to be had. And I think also as an individual, I know for myself, after watching the film, I kind of like had moments of checking, oh, maybe these are, and it wasn't necessarily about cyber violence and misogyny in the cyber realm but like just misogyny in my daily life Mm. and had moments of like oh i felt uncomfortable in that situation and it was probably because of misogyny like Mm -hmm. it's down and i didn't want to say something or i kept my mouth shut or or what or just didn't feel like i was in a place where my point of view was valued and that stemmed Mm. from misogyny so by making those connections in our own lives you know maybe you can start to actually be like, wait a minute, why don't I want to say something right now? Maybe this is a time when I should say something. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when, it, it's, when safe. it's safe. Yeah. yeah. And also standing up when you see other people having this treatment, which I think a lot of times you sit back and you think, oh, this is uncomfortable and I don't want to say anything and I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's my place. But it's a place that we need multiple voices to create more support. So yeah, if totally. you feel safe to do so, then... It is a place that you need to stand up and say something. We're lucky in this time of our lives that we have lots of information we can learn. Obviously, that could be <laughs> there's two sides to it, right? But we're, we're being able to see more because of the internet mm-hmm. that I'm able to watch documentaries like this or, mm-hmm. or like learn more about these different concepts that if we didn't have access to the internet and social media and stuff, we wouldn't necessarily have this opportunity to have dialogue like this. Yes. Where it's like breaking it down by not like that person said that thing and they're terrible. Just like the concept of it and 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 just like being able to take the time to to understand how that is affecting you and why that affects you and why mm-hmm. it sucks. And what can you do different? What can we as a society do different? And just to remember that there is someone on just as you are a person on one, si- on one side of a keyboard, there are multiple people on the other sides of keyboards and the words you say matter mm-hmm. and that. The internet is forever. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, huge, huge, right? And that sometimes things can be taken out of context, but you have to understand that. Understand that us, you know, 140 character message could be received in the wrong way and think about how, what you're putting out there mm-hmm. and think about what you're saying and the impact that could have. Yeah. Like, is that is that funny? Well, mm-hmm. maybe not. I think to pause and to reflect on that is huge. Because sometimes, like even, you know, back in the early 2000s, like how often did people shame women for the way they dressed or whatever? Like it was just like that was wow. what the paparazzi culture was. It is continual, mm-hmm. but but it's shifting. But it was terrible. It was absolutely horrendous. And I think back to that time and I probably said terrible things because it was just what we did. Like I didn't and I was a teenager or whatever. Like you didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like there is more conversation about certain things that. Well, you don't say that because that's not nice or whatever. It's not just, oh, they need to get a thicker skin because they need to be able to take 
my bullshit. Well, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. I'm going to have no good segue, but I'm going to segue to some awesome things. <laughs> how can you really segue to anything positive when you are talking about misogyny? <laughs> Woo. Okay. So I often spend time in the U.S. And one of my favorite times of year is the about a week before a holiday happens because everything goes on sale. Mm. And <laughs> there's a place called Michael's in the U.S. And it's like a craft store, but it also has like all the candles you ever wanted when this comes out it'll be the day after halloween but we were recording this the week before so i just bought a brain oh i found a brain 60 percent off <laughs> if that doesn't mean something it must mean something <laughs> so i bought it so i bought a brain and also a crow with a crown <laughs> They also were selling all of their fall stuff as well. So I almost picked up two small little pumpkins with my first initial and my husband's first initial, which made me feel really like all the commercials about like suburban moms. (laughs) Hey, there's nothing wrong with a suburban mom. (laughs) (laughs) So I put them back and I was like, I live in a city. (laughs) I walked out just like, no. (laughs) Heather's in the aisles throwing pumpkins with initials on it. Uh, I live in the city. (laughs) I felt really proud of my, my buying. And I'm very sad because I wanted to find a brain for you as well, but there was only one brain left. Maybe I need to go to my local Michaels and see if there's any brains for 60% off. I could do that. Yeah. I could do that. That's my afternoon adventure. Speaking of suburbia, something that is is awesome that me and my husband just binge watched over the last couple of days was the new series, The Watcher, which takes place in New Jersey in the suburbs. Anyway, it was just, it was just fun to have a show. Like it's something, you know, when you're excited about a show. So we watched, I think, the first five episodes the first night and then we watched the last three episodes last night or maybe whatever it doesn't doesn't matter but we like really got into it and we were pretty excited and so it's fun you get to like we hunker down on the couch and we i had gone and bought a bunch of halloween candy and so i ate my reese peanut butter pumpkin shaped chocolates that were delicious and watched um a somewhat scary ish show so it was good and you're not really a scary show watcher so that's i feel i'm really proud of you i do watch them but did I watch it or did I watch it? Oh, hide your face. Yeah. <laughs> so Fair enough. Fair and, enough. And everyone's well, Charlotte would pop in. She's like, Mom, you're not even looking at the show. <laughs> like, well, I am. <laughs> okay. That's hilarious. Though this is not our official Halloween episode because Halloween was last night, yesterday. I will say just a belated happy Halloween to everyone because it is my favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. I just received... Um, my sweatshirt that we talked about in our last episode it says Horror Heels. Woo! Received it today and it's really amazing and I love it. And I would recommend other people to get it if you want. It is for sale in our shop, as is other brains related merchandise. So go forth and wear brains things so you can be our walking advertisement for us. <laughs> <laughs> One more spooky thing that I wanted to share. I have been listening to a podcast called Geist. That's very spooky. And it's like every episode's a different like haunting of some sort. Oh, cool. And I find it quite enjoyable. And it's also a podcast that's created in Canada. So, oh, cool. Shout out to the creators of Geist. Very good. Hmm, I'll take a listen. I was listening to lore hmm. a lot, which is more about folklore and other types of lore. 
funny, funny thing. I stumbled upon lore because Charlotte's been really interested in folklore. <laughs> so I discovered lore just recently. Lore, anyway. lore is very good. And it's, he has, I went and saw a podcast um, for one of my birthdays. My husband surprised me with a ticket to a podcast festival. And I went and heard Aaron Minky like go in, and he was actually there with a musician and he, he did it live, the recording live. And I also saw LeVar Burton doing LeVar Burton reads oh, live. And that was amazing. It was like my childhood dream. It was amazing. And then did you sing Reading Rainbow? No, I didn't. I can do anything. I sing that song to Charlotte all the time and she thinks it's ridiculous. Yeah, because she has no context to that old show. <laughs> no, it's because she doesn't like her mother singing anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Brains. Brains is hosted and produced by Heather and Sarah Taylor mixed and mastered by Tony Bao, with additional editing from Blair Drover. Our theme song is by our little brother, Depish, and our graphics were created by Perpetual Notion. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us and tell your friends to tune in. You can reach us on Instagram or Twitter at Brains Podcast, spelled B-R-Triple-A-I-N-S Podcast. You can also go on our website, brainspodcast.com, where you can contact us, subscribe, and find a little bit more about who we are and what we do. Until next time, I'm your host, Sarah. And I'm your host, Heather. Bye! Bye.